Is it really about touching people? How can you really love those who are unlovable? What is love really all about? What is the foundation of it? What about giving, tithes and offerings? You know, I don't buy into that kind of stuff. I think that's just something that the church has concocted up so they can get my money out of me. I think that's something Old Testament under the law. It doesn't mean anything for my life today. It has little or no importance But what really is it? It's foundations that you need to know. And that's why we've been teaching you truths, foundational truths. Listen to me. Church is a meeting place with God. Come on. Church is a place of safety and refuge that I can build my family into, that the gates of hell will not prevail against. Come on, church is a place where I invest into it. God's going to invest to me because when I build his house, he promises he's going to build my house. That's church foundation. Why do we praise and worship God? Firstly, because we're here to honour God. Oh Lord, our God, how excellent is your name. We're here to give forth the excellence and to honour God because no matter what we've done, God still deserves all the praise. Why do we praise and worship God? Because it ushers in His presence. And when His presence shows up, something shows out. Can I hear an amen? When God's presence shows up, things change. Why praise and worship? Because it's our time to give to Him. That's the foundation of praise and worship. That's what I need to build my life, my Christian experience about. Why do we love? What's all the fuss? Why? Because He first loved us. If that doesn't get you excited, then probably nothing will. When you were a mess and you were screwed up, and some of us are still in that way, guess what? God still loves us. And he gives us the opportunity to be loved by him. Why praise and worship? Because he commands us to love others as he has loved us. He's not asking us to do anything else that he hasn't himself first done in our lives. And if he can love us, come on, we can love anyone. Do I hear an amen? So why do we love? Because it's our identity. They'll know that you are my disciples by the love that you have. Love should define us above everything else. People should know you're a Christian because you love them. People should know that, that it's in your actions more in the words. You say, that's foundation. That's what I need to build my Christian experience. Why do we give? Come on, we had a good time last week. Come on, we had a good time in the house and we're going to have a great time today. Why do we give? Number one, because it's all already His. Everything I have is a gift for God and He's such a good God, He lets me keep 90%. And all He wants is that 10. So what are we doing? We're giving back to God. We're bringing back to Him that which is already His. Why do I give? It's biblical. That should be enough for every one of us. If it's scriptural, then it's good. Say that. If it's God, then it's good. And it's scriptural, so therefore it's God, and therefore it is good. And the last reason why we give, and there's many more, but we've just been teaching foundational principles, is because it rebukes the devourer. Woo! That's a good one right there. I like that. It rebukes the devourer. That means when we give to God, guess what? He takes care of the rest. He handles all those issues and struggles. So no matter what storm comes, come on, it's not the storm that's going to take us out. It's the lack of foundation. And that's why we need to know what we do and why we do it. Say with me, foundation. I need to know this and I need to apply it. Come on, one more time. Foundation. I need to know this and I need to apply it. Listen to this. You and I are one step of obedience away from God's best for your life. I want that to sink in. You are one step away of obedience. One step of obedience away from God's best for your life. All you got to do is take that step. Come on, Pastor P can't take that step for you. Your mama or your father can't take that step. Your husband or your wife can't take that step. Your grandma or your grandpa can't take that. Your best friend can't take that step. You ought to take that step for your life. One step of obedience away from the best that God has for you. One step. And we can feel we're so far from God. I'm telling you, you're just one step away of obedience from the best that God has. And that's why we need right foundation, proper foundation, a life that's built upon biblical grounding. Come on, I'm tired of ignorance in the church. Come on, I'm tired of ignorance. There is no excuse for ignorance in this house because you are taught the truth. 
And if you are ignorant, then what you're basically saying is you're not making the effort to find out or to invest your life into what we're teaching you and what we are training you in the house. You have every answer that you need. It's called the Word of God. It's called the Bible. Come on. Come on. You can tell I'm passionate. How many can tell Pastor P's passionate about this kind of stuff? I'm passionate about this kind of stuff because I know it's real. I know today the reason I'm standing here behind a pulpit and preaching you today is not because I'm any better than anyone else, because I'm not. I'm standing here today because my parents, from the time I was born, taught me the principles of this and the foundation. And since that time, I've built my life upon those things. And as a result of building my life upon those things, God is able to use me in the same way he wants to use every one of you. Come on, you just got to build your life. You may say, well, Pastor P, I wasn't brought up like that. You are one step of obedience away from being used by God. Come on, you're just one step away. All you've got to do is make that step. Listen to me, the Bible is meant for bread, for daily use, not cake for special occasions. Just remember that. So why, why, why? These are foundational truths that we must build our spiritual everyday lives upon. And you and I cannot afford to cut the corners when it comes to the foundation because it's going to affect our future. I promise you that. It's going to affect your future. And that's my introduction today. And today we're going to talk about why number five. Thank you. Everyone's looking at me. I'm not waving at you. I'm trying to give you a hint. Five fingers up means what? Five. Okay. So we are going to look at why number? Why number five. We're going to look at why number just fooling you. It's just testing you. Why number five? You may say, what about the ones and the twos and the threes and the fours? Well, guess what? Where were you? We've been handling those for two weeks. If you weren't here, shame on you. But guess what? We'll get you a CD if you ask and you can follow on the website. Just go to the media page. But today we're going to talk about why we serve. Why do we serve? Why do we give our time and energy to serve in the house? There's a great scripture, I think, when it comes to service that I want you to read with me today. And it comes from Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. Isaiah 40, 31, or as we say in England, Isaiah 40, 31. And it says these words, but those who wait on the Lord. Look at that word there, those who wait on the Lord. You've got to understand, waiting on God is not a passive response. It's not like sitting waiting for a bus to arrive. It's the thought of like being a waiter or a waitress, that they are serving you. When you sit down for a meal, they come and say, can I take your order? Can I fill up your drink? Is there anything that you need? They are there to serve and make your experience the best it possibly can be. The Bible says that those who wait on the Lord, we are to serve the Lord. Are you with me today? Look what happens to those who are not sitting doing nothing, but serving God, waiting on God, taking care of his business here on this earth. Look what the Bible says happens to someone who serves. They shall renew their strength like that. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be. They shall walk and not Now that's some good promises there. That is some great promises there. That is some great promises that God promises to give those who what? Serve Him. That serve in His house. Those that serve God, things happen. Listen to what the Message Bible says. I like it. It says, but those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and they soar like eagles. Don't you like that? You don't have to flap and pant and try and make it happen. You just spread your wings and you're soaring like an eagle. Come on, they run and don't get tired and they don't, then they walk. Look, listen to that. And they don't lag behind. If you're lagging behind, if you're getting tired, if you're flapping, you know why? Why do you want to cluck around with the chickens when you can be soaring with the eagles? Come on now. Think about that. I think, believe there's something that comes as we serve in the house, as we serve God, as we live for Him. You may say, well, Pastor Pete, really, 
you're, you're kind of taking that scripture out of context because what it means to wait on the Lord is to be patient and trust God that he will bring those things to pass. That's exactly what I just said if you didn't realize that I'm waiting on God to do the great things but while I'm waiting on God, what am I doing? I'm serving God. Come on, I'm serving in his house. I'm trusting. There's some things I'm waiting on God for. Has anyone got some things you're waiting on God for? Come on, what can you do? The choice is you can get depressed and miserable because it ain't happening. You can start feeling lonely and start feeling left out. And can I ask you what will happen to your life if you start feeling like that? You're going to get depressed. You're going to be miserable. Who wants to be around a depressed, miserable person? Only miserable and depressed people. Do I hear an amen? So we want to be around people who have life, so we've got to have life. So yes, I'm waiting on God to do some miraculous stuff, but while I'm waiting on Him and I'm waiting for something to happen, guess what? I'm going to be rejoicing in someone else's miracle. I'm going to be praising God. I'm going to be serving God. I'm going to be doing what I need to do, because maybe what I need to do will bring in what God already promised that He will do. If there's 10 steps and God's going to meet you at step number seven, how are you ever going to meet him if you're stuck at number three? I wonder how many of us are going to get to heaven and God's going to say, I had so much for you, but you didn't step into it. I had so many, I had your breakthroughs and miracles, but you know what? You didn't see me, so you got so caught up in yourself that you didn't see the needs of other people. If you had just pushed your thoughts and feelings aside and touched some other people, I could have touched you. Come on, there's power in serving. Say that with me. There's power in serving. There's power in serving. I know God's coming to my house. But until he arrives, I'm going to make it possible for someone else. I'm going to meet someone else's need. I'm going to serve. The Bible says, in giving I shall receive. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and hooking a brother up. Do I hear an amen? And here's how I'm going to serve. Here's how we must serve in the house. The Bible tells us in Psalms 100 verse 2, it says that we are to serve the Lord with gladness. It's an honor to serve God. Come on, it's an honor to serve God. He could have chosen anyone else, but he chose you and he chose me. And it's now up to us to heed that call and serve him. Are you with me today? Say, help us, Jesus. Point number one, why do we serve? We serve to follow His example. To follow the example, the greatest example that has ever been given. One day in the Word of God, you can read the story for yourself. I believe it was in Matthew 20. But one day, the mother of two of Jesus' disciples came to Jesus. And she said to Jesus, "I, I want something from you. And Jesus said, okay, what is it? Ask me. And she says, I want one of my sons to sit on your left side when you get into glory. And I want one of your sons to sit on your right side. Now, this was something that the disciples, you would read a couple of other times, that they would have debates and they would talk upon that amongst themselves. Who was the greatest? They were kind of arguing amongst them. She wanted her son to sit on one side and her other son to sit in a greater position than any other of the disciples or anyone else. And you know, I can look at the disciples and I think to myself, my goodness, they spent three and a half years with Jesus, yet they're fighting about so trivial things. I read stories of the disciples and I think to myself, God, why did you choose them? Because after all, he handpicked every one of them. He didn't pull out a draft and say, hey, pull out these numbers. Oh, I guess I'm stuck with you. He handpicked every one of them. And you look and you think to yourself, why did he pick him? Why did he pick him? I mean, there surely was better people out there. But you know one thing I've discovered and that is this. I'm I'm not going to question that anymore. I'm just going to be thankful that God chose them because if he can use them, he can use them use me. I take hope in that because I think, man, that wouldn't be my choice. And then I begin to think, but I don't know about me either. But I'm glad God chose me. Do I have a witness? Do I have an amen in the hand? But they're kind of struggling a little bit and they're going through, who's the greatest? Let me sit here and let me have this position and let me do all these things. But that day, Jesus showed them something. Jesus showed them a truth. Listen to what Jesus showed them. He said, greatness is not found in position, 
But greatness is found in serving. It's not in position, but it's in serving. Say that one more time. You've got it wrong. It's not about the position. It's about serving. Look what he says in Matthew 20, 25 through 28. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, they lord over them. And those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so amongst you. But whoever desires to be great among you, let him be your servant. And whosoever desires to be the first amongst him, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for others or for many. In other words, Jesus says, the greatest of all is the servant of all. Jesus didn't just speak it, he lived it. He was the greatest example of servanthood there ever has been. His life, his example, everything he was, was a servant. A servant. He came to serve. The last moment when he's celebrating his last meal with his disciples, his heart is heavy. He knows he's soon to be crucified and betrayed and the agony and everything he's going to go through. But yet as disciple after disciple is coming into the room, there wasn't one of them that was willing to get down and wash the other's feet. But Jesus got down and he washed every one of their feet. Every one of their feet. What a servant. What a servant. Listen to this. God help us to never position ourselves above his example. So why do we serve? Because he served. And if it was good enough for him, you better believe it's good enough for us. Point number two, why do we serve? We serve to reach the lost. We touch people through service. There's a great story in the Bible called the Good Samaritan. I love this story. Can I just read it for you really quickly today? If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 10. If you've got a real Bible, it's page 1533. If you don't have a real Bible, I don't know what page it is for you. But 1533, Luke 10, beginning in verse 30. And for all you sinners who don't bring your Bibles to church, it's on the screen for you. It says this, when Jesus, Then Jesus answered and said unto them, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell amongst the thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, who wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, he came and he looked, and he passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Verse 34. So he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own donkey, or his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Verse 35. On the next day, when Jesus... On the next day, when he departed... Apology. When he departed... He took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will come again and I will repay you. I haven't got time to go into great depths on this story, but there were others that day that should have helped. The priest and the Levite, a Levite was one who worked in the temple. These were people who were supposed to meet the needs of people. What what does the Bible say? They saw the need and they didn't just walk past. They literally crossed the street and walked down on the other side, acting like they didn't even see that there was a need. I wonder how many times we've done that. And there were a number of reasons why a Samaritan, the Jews hated Samaritans and the Samaritans hated the Jews. 
In fact, the Jews called the Samaritans dogs. That was one of the biggest insults of the day. They hated each other. So this Samaritan had every reason in his own self and what was happening in the day and the culture of the moment, he had every reason to look and say, that's a Jew, serves him right, and went on his way, not being inconvenienced. There were so many reasons why he didn't have to help, but he did. But he did. He stopped and he met the need. And from what I just read in that story, we don't hear that he ever talked to the man in need. He bent down. He ministered to him. He took care of him. He put him on his donkey and he took him to an inn. He didn't talk it. He did it. The only time it's recorded that he spoke in this story is when he instructed the innkeeper, if there is any more that I owe, I will pay it upon my return. I wonder what would happen in the church if every one of us would serve like that. There's many reasons why perhaps we could say, I don't want to serve, I don't want to get a mess, I don't want to be involved in that. There's a lot of reasons that we could perhaps have. Just like this man did. But he was a good Samaritan. He wasn't just a Samaritan. He was a good Samaritan. I wonder how many people here today are not just Christians, but good Christians. I wonder how many there are that will say, you know what, there's a need over there and I'm going to fill it. I believe in the church today there is far too much talking and there sure ain't enough walking. So a lot of people who are talking it but very few people who are doing it, that are walking it and living it. Listen to me. People get or people talk to get recognition and praise from men. But people serve to get praise and recognition from God. If you want to talk and tell everyone about what you've done, you know what they're going to say? You're a good job. Let's put him up for a medal. Let's, let's promote him. Let's, let's give him. You're going to get recognition from man. But the Bible tells me it's not man that I want to get the praise from. Come on. I'm laying up my treasures in heaven. Come on. Is that, do I have a witness in the house? So if you want recognition from men, you just find a soapbox and start telling people all the great things that you've done. You're going to get your pat on your back and God says you've got your reward. But you know what? If you want some recognition from God, just shut your mouth and start serving in the house. Do I hear an amen? If you want recognition and praise from God, you just start doing it and start being and when people want to start giving you the praise for it send it upwards and say hey it's only God it's all because of him the only reason I'm doing this is because he changed my life come on let's give God the glory for what we're doing because he's instructing us to do those things there's many hurting and dying people out there and you know what we're doing we're fighting for position Many people lost and need a saviour, but we're fighting for position. I want to be seen. I want to be on that welcome team. I want one of those nice badges. Listen, if you want a nice badge, we don't want you on the welcome team. Because if all the welcome team or the prayer team is to you is a nice badge, then just get a nice badge and wear it for yourself. Listen, if you want to know what the welcome team and prayer team and any badge that you see around this church says, I'm here to serve you. How can I help you today? Oh, there's a need? Let me help you. It's not about, hey, I'm up here and you're down there. It's because I'm servant of all. I'm here to serve and minister in the house. Listen to me. If you are being seen, you're blocking Jesus. If all people are seeing you, you're blocking Jesus. You ain't the way. You're the signpost that's pointing the way. Come on, it's our job to steer people down, but he's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. And if people think you're the way, watch out, they're probably going the wrong way. You want to know how to win people? Serve people. You want to know how to touch someone's heart? Serve someone. Can I cut your grass? Can I be there? I've got to say this, and I'm not just saying this because my wife's involved in it. You know one of the greatest areas of service that you can be a part of in our church is working with our kids in the nursery. A lot of people don't want the nursery because they think it's just puke, snotty nose, screaming kids. And my, my God, I've done all that, been there, I don't want that. I want you to see something today. 
When you work in the nursery, you know what you're doing? You're serving a father and a mother that they can sit here and their life can be changed. That's what you've got to start seeing. I'm taking care of some child, someone else's child, so what? They can be ministered to in church, that they can receive something from God. Come on, I'm here to serve. Why? Because he served. And why else? Because it reaches the lost. It reaches the lost. We hear this saying so many times that actions speak louder than words. I've got another one that I want to tag on the end of that. Actions speak louder than words and they will be remembered longer too. People are going to forget what you say, but they're going to remember what you do. Come on, is that not the truth? People are going to forget at one time or another and they're going to mince your words and confuse your words, but they're going to remember. You know what? I can't remember who that person was, but I remember that they helped me. They met the need. They were there. Nike have coined a phrase that says, just do it. They stole that from the church. That should have been the church's phrase. Come on, that should have belonged to the church. Just do it. But you know what? We've stood back and say, you do it. Or why are they not doing it? Come on. We want a phrase in this house that we're just doing it. That we're serving God. Why? Because we're following his example. And we're doing it because we're touching lives. We are reaching the lost. Service pushes aside my wants and desires to help me meet others' wants and desires. To help me meet a need. Look at this scripture from Romans 1 verse 1. Paul could have quoted anything he wanted because he had every right to say, hey, I'm great because he was great. I mean, he had great achievements in his life. But look how Paul chose to announce himself. Look at the title he chose to have for himself. He said, hey, if you want to know who I am, I'm Paul, a bond slave. I'm a bond servant of Jesus Christ. Oh yeah, I'm called to be an apostle. Why do you say that? Because I want my live life to live like that. You know who I am? Who I am is, I want to be a servant. That's what Paul was saying. Who I am is, I want to be a, a servant. But what I do is, I pastor this church. Come on, I want us to look at that in our lives. Who am I? I'm a servant. But what do I do? I work in the children's ministry at this church. Who am I? I'm a servant. But what do I do? I'm in the welcome team of our church. Who am I? I'm a servant. But what do I do? Servant is who I am. And what I do comes after that. Do I hear an amen? Point number three, why do we serve in the house? To build his house. To be his example or follow his example. To reach the lost. And lastly, to build his house. The only way God's house can move forward is to have people who are willing to serve. Service builds his house. It prepares, it creates an atmosphere where he can move. Today, you came into this church and chairs were set out for you. Today you came and enjoyed awesome praise and worship. Today you've got some packages, you've got materials that have been printed. Tonight you're going to come back for those who are on the Connect night. You're going to have a wonderful meal. You're going to... Why are all those things, why did those things happen? Because someone set the chairs out. Someone printed a piece of paper. Someone showed up early to practice in the band so they could bless you. Other people have given their acts and service. If it wasn't for people serving, church would not be able to happen. We build his house through our service. The atmosphere of praise and worship today was created because people have given of their time and energies to build his house. Come on, it's an honor, and I'm telling you right now, I think it's the greatest privilege on the face of this earth to serve God. But you've got to remember this, it's not a right. You don't have the right to serve him, but you have the honor and the privilege to serve him. And that's what we've got to do, serving his house. We saw two weeks ago, and I'm not going to go into great detail over it now, but we saw two weeks ago that David said to the prophet Nathan, I want to build God a house. And God said to him, long story short, God sent the prophet back and said, tell David, you're not going to build a house, but your son will. But because you wanted to build a house, I've seen your heart and I'm going to build you a house. So what did David do? David could have got offended at God and said, God, I wanted to build your house. And he could have sulked and said, well, why God didn't... Can I tell you what David did? He prepared the building of the house for his son. David went out and he gathered 
gold. He gathered silver. He gathered precious materials. He gathered everything that would be needed. So when Solomon came to build the temple, there was already most of what he needed was available and prepared for. So what did David do? He provided what was needed. Can I tell you what we do when we serve? We provide what is needed to build the house of God. We might not be the ones that's getting the recognition and doing the actual building, but guess what? If there's no preparation, there's going to be no meal to sit down at. If someone ain't buying the groceries, come on, there ain't going to be nothing in the pantry to cook with. Come on, our job is just as important as the next job because without it, it does not happen. We build the house. We build the house. And that's what I want to say to you. You need to be here Wednesday night. I want to see everyone that's here this morning and more because you're going to tell other people, you need to be here Wednesday night. Well, Pastor P, I get home from work late and and I can't be here and and I won't have time to cook. Hey, problem solved. We have food already for you. Just comes, well, I'm going to be dirty. Hey, half the people who come in here come straight from work. It's okay. Come as you are. That's all we want in this house. We don't want you to come a certain way. Come as you are. We want you to be here Wednesday night because we're going to talk about how we can serve in the house. Now, you may say, I serve in the house. Great, you need to be here to hear how you can serve more. But those of you who do not serve in the house, I want you to be here. Even if you don't usually come on a Wednesday night, make an exception. Come and see and learn how you can be a part of serving. It's going to be such an informative night as some of our leaders are going to talk about key ministries in our church that we need help and support. And you'll be able to listen how you can be a part and how you can play a a part in church. I know I'm almost out of time today, but I want, just as I close this series, to give you five things. We've talked about five foundations. Why church? Why praise and worship? Why do we love? Why do we give? And why do we serve? I think they're vital and they're important. But now I want to close this series by saying how we're going to do those five things a lot better. I want to talk today quickly of what I believe needs to change in every one of our lives. What I believe needs to change in every one of our lives It's gone quiet in here now. Point number one. Here's the first thing I think needs to change in our lives, and that is our commitment to the house of God. I believe our commitment to the house of God. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that I'm talking about your attendance. You being here. Look what it says in Psalms 92 verse 13. Those who are planted, or as you all say, planted, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Notice there's a key word there, planted. There's a key word there. You have got to be planted in order to flourish and grow in God's house. Let me say that one more time because one person got what I was saying. You have got to be planted to flourish and grow in God's house. And in order to produce fruit in your life, you cannot just be planted. You've got to stay planted. You've got to stay grounded. There's too many people who are jumping from church to church. Hey, you uproot your life every time you uproot yourself. You're destroying some of the root system of your life. And the root system is that which gives the nourishment for fruit to produce in your life. So therefore, every time you uproot yourself, you are stunting fruit growth in your life. Come on, we need to be planted in the house. Can I tell you all something today? Planted doesn't mean coming to church once a month. Sorry if that hit you hard today, but we're just loving you enough to tell you the truth. If you are planted in the house, planted isn't coming to church once a month. I want to give everyone a challenge in here. Those of you, because we've got a core group of people who come every service and then we've got a revolving. If we were to have everyone that calls this church their home church, we would not have room already to house everyone in the church at one time on one Sunday. We've got a key group of probably about 70, 80 people and then we've got a revolving three, 400 group that comes every couple of three weeks or whenever they feel like it. 
If we could get everyone planted. I challenge you today. Here's my challenge. For one month, prioritize the house of God and make sure you're here every Sunday and if you can, every Wednesday. And at the end of the month, you come and find me and tell me the results of what's been happening in your life as a result of prioritizing the house of God. I'm telling you it works. I am here today because it works. I have proven it in my life. Come on, you and I have got to prioritize God's house. I've said it before, but there are 52 dates on every year's calendar till the day I die that I know are non-negotiable. And that's a Sunday morning. It doesn't shock me that a Sunday's coming. I know it's coming. And guess what's happening on Sunday? I'm going to be in church. I don't have to question that. That's just a given. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to prioritize the house. We've got to run to it, not run away from it. I'm going to say something else about the church that you need to know, and that is this. There is going to be opportunity and opportunities for you to get offended and upset. There's always those opportunities. That's just human nature. You're going to be offended at me. I can't understand why that would be. You're going to get offended at me. You're going to offend other people. They talked to me. They didn't talk to me. I mean, the things that you hear are absolute crazy. But that's human nature to get offended. But I'm telling you right now, you have got to guard against that. And you've got to guard against your response. How is your response going to be? Because can I tell you, when someone is planted, when the storms come, they put their roots deeper down. They don't uproot themselves and run. Listen to me right now. It's not the storm that destroyed the house. It's the lack of foundation. You need to get your roots down and get planted. You're going to be offended. We're not trying to offend you, but human nature says you're going to be offended in one way or the other. But what's your choice? You can choose to run and leave. But can I tell you right now, the only way that you should leave a church is with the blessing of the pastor. If you want to know how to leave a church right, the only way that you should leave a church is with the blessing of the pastor. Because if God put you here, he's the only one who should move you. And if God moves you, guess what? It's going to be for good things. So if you want to say, well, I don't like that church and I'm just going to leave. If you're leaving in a huff and all those kind of things, guess what? You're not of God. You're not of God. And I'm not just saying that about our church. I'm talking about church, period. The only way you should leave a church is with the blessing of the pastor that we can send you and your family out with blessing because you're going into another ministry or God has called you here. Otherwise than that, being offended and upset is no reason to leave the church. And you're going to take that offense with you and you're going to take that unforgiveness with you and it's going to affect you for the rest of your life. And it's not the church's fault why your life fell. It's your lack of foundation. Come on, say with me, planted in the house. The best ability every one of us can have is stickability. Stick it out. So you know what's going to change? I believe our commitment to the house must change. We need to be in the house. Number two, here's what else we're going to change. We're going to change the way we do praise and worship. We're going to change the way we praise God in this house. I know I can't force this upon you, but I'm going to tell you, we're going to change the way we do praise and worship in this house. We're not going to rock up to church late. Some people look at praise and worship and think, good, they'll be singing for about 20 minutes, so I'm not missing anything. Come on, we're not going to show up late for church no longer. Come on, we're not going to give a half-hearted praise because half-hearted praise doesn't truly honor God. Do I hear an amen or an oh my in the house? I, I, I just got a sneaky suspicion that God has done so much for your life. I know he has done so much for me. That's why I'm determined in this house, no one's going to outpraise me in the house. I may have sweat pits or marks under my pits. I may be my ties loose already because I've got my praise on in the house today. You know what? I'm determined that nothing's going to rob my praise and I'm going to begin to praise God. Why? because God has done so much for me. When I begin to think of his goodness and what he's done for me, when I think of his goodness and how he set me free, I'm going to praise. I'm going to dance. I'm going to shout. I don't care if the song says lift your hands or clap your hands. I'm going to do it anyway. Come on, I think we need to change the way we praise God in this house. I think we need to remember his goodness and his mercy and what he's done for us. Come on, I think some of you need to break the mold. You know the mold, the mold that you kind of cast yourself in, that this is your praise, your hands only go up this far in church? Hey, they don't go up that far at home. 
Come on. I've seen when that bee flies past you and you put your hand in the air to swat that sucker. Come on, it don't just go up this high. Come on, we're going to break the mold of praise and worship in this church. Come on, some of us need to get out of the box, that stereotype. Well, I was brought up in a Baptist church, not being unkind for the Baptists, but if you haven't noticed, we're not Baptists. Come on, we're Pentecostal, we're full gospel. We love to praise and worship God. If people want to praise like that, then God bless them. That's all right for them. But come on, there's going to be a praise in this house. Come on, we're going to break the mold. I love what David said. His wife looked at him and said, didn't you make a fool of yourself today? And he said, listen here, sweetheart, you ain't seen nothing yet. He says, I'm going to become even more undignified than this. Just wait till tomorrow. Wait till next Sunday. You ain't seen nothing yet. Some of you ladies, can I help you out? Can I hook you up today? Some of you ladies, forget buying shoes with six-inch heels on for church. Just get some of those sketching rocking shoes or something. Get ready to come to the house and get your praise on in the house. And if your shoes are hindering you, just kick them off and get praising God in the house. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Said this before, if your makeup starts running, run after it. Come on. Come on, we're going to change the way. When, listen to me though. When David said, I'm going to become more undignified than this, he didn't mean that I was going to be fleshly and out of control. You've got to listen to that. Because there's some people I've had to sit down in church and say, can I explain how we praise? When you praise and worship God, it's not attention on self, it's attention on God. If you're stealing the praise because everyone's looking at you, hey, you can praise like that in your own private time, but you ain't going to praise like that in this house. Because it's not about any individual. It's about giving all the glory and the honor and the praise to God. Satan stole praise and worship from the beginning and he's been trying to steal it from us ever since. And I'm telling you right now, he ain't going to steal praise and worship from this house any longer. Come on. Come on. So what David meant was this, nothing is going to limit my praise. Not other people, not the circumstances. David said, I'm going to get my praise on. I'm going to push on through. I want to see us on a Sunday morning and a Wednesday night. I want to see us coming ready to praise. Come on, when we don't have to wait till Trey clicks up on the drums to be on our feet. Come on, we're on our feet. We're anticipating praise. We may have our hands up a little bit early and we may be ready. Come on, there's a vibe in the house. Why? Because we're ready to praise God. Listen to me. Don't wait to be moved. Move. Don't wait to be moved. Move and get in God. So we're going to change the way we praise and worship in the house. To have a witness in the house. Come on, almost finished. We're going, to pray. We're going to change the way we love others. We're not going to pick and choose who we love and who we sit beside and who's around us. Come on, we're just going to love people in the house. We're not going to be picky and choosy. Come on, we're not going to love with partiality. We're not going to look and say, well, I'll love them and not them. Come on, we're going to love everyone. We're not going to have cliques and this group's going to do this and this group's going to do this. Come on, we're going to break through every barrier, every race. Come on, everything. And we're just going to come together. And this is going to be a place where love just happens. Come on, we ain't going to blame them. We're going to train them. If people don't know how to act in church, we're not going to criticize them or ridicule them. We're going to say, follow me as I serve. God and as I praise God, you too can do the same. Point number four, we're going to change how we give in this church. We're going to change the way we give. We're not just going to give, we're going to be a giver. We're not just going to give, we're going to be a giver. A lot of people tip God and they give and they say, well, I'm a giver. Are you a giver or do you just give? Well, what's the difference, Pastor P? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you, someone who gives is someone who just gives to God. But a giver is someone that knows that it's not his, but what is already God's. A giver is someone that knows, I'm not going to touch that 10% because that's already God's, and I'm going to return that. If you want to know if you're a giver, it's when you tithe. Then you're a giver. Outside of that, you just give to God. And the Bible doesn't say that you get rewards for giving. The Bible says you get rewards for tithing and then offerings. That's how you open up the blessings for God, for being a tither, that we've got to return to God, which is already His. Come on, we're not going to be a church that tips God. We're not going to be a church that tips God. 
We're going to teach the rewards that comes when we put him first and how he'll redeem the rest. Come on, I want to see a new practice in this church. When you get paid, if you get paid on Friday, the first thing I want you to do is take your checkbook out. I know church isn't until Sunday. I'm not dumb. Mama raised me. I know what I'm talking about. But on Friday, I want you to take the check. And before you write any bills, I want you to write your church tech. I want you to write your tithe before any other bill. If you've got cash, put that cash aside in an envelope before you start giving it out to everyone else. I'm telling you right now, there needs to be a practice in our lives that we give God the first of the first and then promise that he will redeem the rest. I'm not going to lie in this house and tell you everything's going to be alright if you're not tithing. So if you're not tithing, everything's not going to be alright. I'm telling you right now, don't expect God to bless you in your life financially and see blessings happen if you're not tithing and giving to God. Because if that's the case, then God's a liar and God don't lie. God says, you've robbed me and you've put a curse upon yourself. But when we tithe, we break that curse. Here's another test for you. Those of you who don't agree with me in tithing, just like you're going to come to church for the next month, guess what you can do for the next month? I want you to faithfully pay your tithe for one month. If you say, I don't believe in this tithing stuff, just put God to the test for one month. Just pay your tithe faithfully for one month. Don't just give, be a giver for one month. And I'm telling you right now, you come and see me at the end of the month and tell me, uh, you're not going to tell me it doesn't work. I'm not going to see anyone at the end of the month because I'm telling you right now, I know it works. The only reason you may not know it doesn't work is because you've never tried it. Because if you tried it, you know it works. Come on, help me out, all the tithers in the house. It works. It works. And last but not least, got to move on. We're going to look for, we're going to change the way we serve. We're going to look for ways that we can be involved. We're going to be here Wednesday night for locker room. We're going to say, Pastor, what do you need me to do? How can I serve in the church? You're not going to wait to be asked. You're going to see a need and say, hey, I can be the solution. You're not going to strive for position in this church because you know what? It's not about position. It's about serving. We believe in EMI in this church, that every member can be involved and every member should be involved. There's a place for you. You just need to be willing to serve. Don't, and don't just sign up, meaning. Well, I'll do whatever you want, Pastor. Whenever you need me, just let me know. We need you. <laughs> Trey's laughing because he knows those kind of people. Pastor P, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Okay, well, well I can't do that because I'm here. And, or whatever... Or, or, If you're going to sign up, mean it. Be ready to serve in the house. So we're going to change the way we do church. We're going to get planted in the house. We're going to change the way we do praise and worship. I'm looking for people to get undignified in this house. Push through their circumstances and situations. Kick some shoes off and get ready to praise God. Please, though, if you're going to kick your shoes off, make sure you've washed them before you come to church. (laughs) Thirdly, we're going to change the way we love. We're just going to love people, period. We're going to change the way we give. We're not going to be a giver, as in just tipping God. We're going to be a tither. We're going to be a true giver in this house. And we're going to change the way we serve. If you agree with that and you're ready to work and serve and love God and to see his house built, would you stand to your feet with We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless. Master, Savior, I just...